Welcome and thanks for joining me today. Please would you turn to Ephesians chapter 4 beginning at verse 25 and we'll read through to the second verse of chapter 5 together. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is God's word. Let's pray together. Father God, we were separated from Christ. We were alienated from the commonwealth of your people. And we were separated from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without you in the world. And yet now in Christ Jesus, we who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. What a salvation we have in Jesus Christ. Father, we ask that today you would help us to live in a manner that is worthy of the salvation and of the sacrifice that was made on our behalf. We pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts as we come to your word so that in 2021 we would be a people that brings honor and glory to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Does anyone who's listening have an alter ego? Someone that you turn to who is maybe wiser than you or braver than you? It could be that when you face a situation in life, you need to sort of distance yourself from yourself so that you're not immersed in the fear or the confusion or the anger that you're experiencing and more able to look at it dispassionately, perhaps through the eyes of someone else, an alter ego, someone who you really um, are impressed with and respect. For Clark Kent, it was Superman. He was just a mild-mannered reporter, but his alter ego was the superhero. For Bruce Wayne, it was Batman. And I know for Craig that it's William Wallace from Braveheart. Who's yours? Maybe it's some sort of suave, sophisticated person like James Bond or a competent, tough, gritty, indestructible person like Jack Reacher. One of my alter egos is King Theoden, the king of the Rohirrim in the Lord of the Rings. He inspires me to be a good leader when things go wrong. So when I get blindsided in leadership, I try to act the way he would have acted. I try to remove myself and just imagine what he would have done. 
for example, there's this part in The Lord of the Rings, uh, in The Return of the King, when Theoden comes to the assistance of his allies, the people of Gondor, who are besieged in their capital city, Minas Tirith. So Theoden musters his fighting men. They are cavalry soldiers. They fight on horses. Um, they gather on the edge of an area called the Pelennor Fields. And Theoden leads them in an incredibly brave and courageous cavalry charge against the enemy. And a point arrives in the battle where victory is within his grasp. He, he's going to be able to release the city. And so he shouts out, make safe the city to all of his men. But at that moment, he hears the discordant, horrible sound of a war trumpet. He turns around and he realizes that another enemy army has just arrived. Savage, brutal men who come to war on battle elephants. And he's in complete confusion. After all, victory was just in his grasp. He's confused. He's not sure what to do. He's feeling a little bit afraid. And you can see that his men are going through exactly the same emotions. There's a very real danger that they're going to flee from the battlefield. And then Theoden gathers himself and he shouts out, Reform the line! Sound the charge! Face them head on! And so sometimes when I'm hit blindside, I step back and try to do what Theodem did in that moment. Now, Craig and I are not the only people uh, with inspiring alter egos. According to the BBC News, we're in good company because Beyonce also has an alter ego. BBC Work Life is currently running what it calls its best, most insightful and most essential stories from 2020. And one of these is entitled The Batman Effect. It's about how having an alter ego empowers you as a person. And this is the article that refers to Beyonce having an alter ego. I can assure you I wouldn't have known that unless I'd read it in the article. I don't really listen to Beyonce all that much. Um, and the article provides empirical evidence that having an alter ego helps you to be a better version of yourself. And one of the researchers notes that many people find the idea of an inspiring alter ego, ego an intuitive concept. And he cites the What Would Jesus Do bracelets that used to be used in the early 90s as an example of this. And I, I find it fascinating. It's so interesting to know that there is something intuitive in the words of this researcher, something hardwired, if you like, about knowing that it is beneficial to follow the example of some sort of role model. And in today's passage, Paul says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. To walk in love as Christ did means to live as Christ did, to live in such a way that love motivates us, infuses us, overarches us. It becomes a part of everything that we do. And so, in a sense, 
Paul wants you to see Christ as your alter ego, the person who helps you to become a more Christ-like version of yourself. And just imagine, folks, take a moment to think of this. What would 2021 be like if you were to become a better imitator of God and walk in love as Christ did? I can assure you that it'll be different to last year. You know, 2021 might be just as tough as 2020, but if we were walking in love and imitating Christ, I know that it'll be a better year. But Paul has in something in mind here that's much more nuanced and weighty than the Batman effect. And this is another example of psychology discovering something that the Bible has known about for millennia. So then, let's start to think about it. What would Jesus do? How can we think and act as Jesus would in 2021? How can we be imitators of God and walk in love as Christ loved us? What we're going to do today is we're going to explore the source of walking in love as Christ did, the substance of walking in love as Christ did, and the practicalities of walking in love as Christ did in 2021. The source, the substance, and the practicalities. So let's dive into the source. Let me begin by saying that having a good example is just not good enough. That's why the Batman effect breaks down. Let me put it to you this way. Suppose I'm a rugby player and my alter ego is Dwayne Vermeulen. I could study Dwayne Vermeulen. I could read his autobiography to learn how he thinks, the way that he trains, how he motivates himself, even his philosophy of rugby, <laughs> if it's possible for a rugby player to have a philosophy. And then I could be out on the field and see a wing approaching me and think, how would Dwayne flatten this guy? But you know, this will only take me so far. Why? Because I am not Dwayne Vermeulen. My thigh is smaller than Dwayne Vermeulen's biceps. I don't have Dwayne's genetic makeup. I would need to go through a very fundamental conversion to be changed into the likeness of Dwayne. Thing is, that as Christians, we have gone through just such a conversion. Paul uses the metaphor of rebirth here. He says that we have been reborn as children of God. That's why he instructs us, be imitators of God as beloved children. It makes it possible for us to imitate God if we have become his children. Now remember that in the previous passage, Paul uses clothes as a metaphor of conversion. So the old self is taken off at conversion, like a dirty, tattered suit of clothes. And Jesus gives us something brand new to wear. The point is that whether the metaphor is changing of clothing or rebirth, what Paul is getting at here is that we have gone through a fundamental conversion. And so when you ask what would Jesus do? You really can do it. Not like me trying to imitate Dwayne Vermeulen. Why? Because you have a father, which speaks of the fact that he has given 
birth to you. You carry the family likeness. You carry, if you like, the genetic makeup of the father. But someone says, well, you know, having the potential to imitate Christ is one thing, but how do I discern his will? This is when we mustn't forget what we've already learned in Ephesians, that we should seek divine instruction. That's what came in the previous passage. Now that we are born of God, Jesus can become our teacher. Look at verse 20, just skip back a little bit. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. The Christian way of life is about knowing Jesus as a person. And we learn Christ. He becomes our subject. He becomes our teacher by submitting to his leadership and entering into a relationship with him. And of course, it's been, cost, it's been made possible once we've been born again. And if you will allow Jesus into the driver's seat of your heart, if you will submit to him by renewing the attitude of your mind, making it become an attitude of submission and listening up, then he will become your subject. You will learn Christ. He will become your teacher. You will hear him and he will become your place of learning. You will be taught in him using the words of Paul. And this is why Paul prayed earlier that the Christ would dwell in the Ephesians' hearts. In chapter 3, verse 14, he says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And remember that when we, that we said that when Paul uses the words dwell in your heart, he is using the metaphor of an owner living in his home. The owner has complete authority over the home, what happens there and what goes on in his household. And in the same way, Christ is to own your life. Your heart needs to become a place of residence for him. We need to give him a home. And we mustn't, by any means, give him just rented accommodation. So, the Batman effect. It really can work for you as a Christian. First of all, because you have God as your Father, which means that you've been fundamentally converted. Second of all, you have Jesus as your teacher, which means that he can take up residence as a teacher right at the very center of your being where you need him the most to lead you and to guide you, to give you the wisdom and the knowledge that you need to walk in love as he did, to be able to answer the question, what would Jesus do in this situation? But there's a third thing which we mustn't overlook. The Father is, he is our lover. It says that we are beloved children. Let me tell you something that I've learned over the years, and I'm not take, saying this from a place of pride. I know that I'm a work in progress, but the one thing I have learned, it is impossible to walk in love without knowing the love of God as your heavenly Father. Why? You were created 
with this very deep need to be loved by God. And this need is so deep that humans will go to any lengths to try and fill it. They'll even try and commit suicide. And the thing is, if you haven't been born of God, and if your relationship with God hasn't been put right, that need is never going to be satisfied because there will always be a barrier between you and God that is preventing you from experiencing His love. You'll never be satisfied and you will spend your whole life trying to make up for that deficit. The problem is that everything that you do will be motivated by a selfish desire, the desire to be loved by others. And so unless you are a beloved child, it will be impossible to walk in love because true love is not like that. It's not looking to others to fill your need for love. It's not mercenary. It's not self-seeking. In order to love, you must know the love of God. And this is why Paul prayed that the Ephesians, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So folks, we've got something much better than the Batman effect. The source of our strength, of our ability to walk in love as Christ did, is our Father, Jesus as our teacher, and both of them, all three of them if you like, as our lover. We have a Father who loves us, it gives us the security and the confidence to be able to love others unconditionally. Let's turn now to the substance of walking in love as Christ did. The previous passage taught us that the big challenge for us as Christians is the flesh. Even though we've been converted or born again, adopted into God's family, whatever metaphor you use, the flesh still remains. What does the flesh do? It tries to control you with selfish, ungodly desires and passions. It takes those things and it wants you to give in to them. We still have, I'm afraid to say, ungodly passions and desires even though we've been born again. And so walking in love involves taking off like a dirty set of clothes, that's the analogy Paul uses here, the passions of the flesh. It involves killing them, or in the words of the summary, giving yourself up to be sacrificed. Be imitators of God, therefore, as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us. And here's where the sacrifice comes in, gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We need to crucify to kill our ungodly passions and desires as a sacrifice to God. Here's the thing, folks. The Bible does not define love as a feeling. Instead, it defines it as a commitment expressed in action. And in this case, it is a commitment to kill the passions of the flesh and to walk instead in love. But what does that look like in practice? Let's turn now to some of the practicalities. Paul gives four 
practical examples in verses 25 to 32. Each of these is an example of taking off the old and putting on the new. In each case, the example is stated with both a positive and a negative command. In other words, there is a replacement fitting with the changing of clothes metaphor. There is a reason or motivation given for the command. And the commands, in essence, are about guarding unity through purity. God requires you to be pure for the health of his body and for the good of your brothers and sisters in Christ. When you give in to the sinful passions of the flesh and you commit a sin, it is not committed in isolation. Sin always affects the body as well as the individual. Folks, it is not about you. It is not about me. <laughs> it's about us as a body. So here are the four practical examples. Replace lies with truth. Replace anger with forgiveness. It's a big one in Zimbabwe. Replace stealing with giving, another biggie for Zimbabwe. Replace destructive talk with talk that builds up. This is a huge one for Zimbabwe. Replacing destructive talk with talk that builds up. Now, I'm afraid there isn't time, you're probably relieved to hear, to cover all four of these now. So we're going to deal with the first one. And then we're going to leave the other three for the next sermon because every good sermon has three points, right? So there'll be three left over for next time. Let's have a look here at replacing lies with truth. If you want to walk in love as Christ did, you must be committed to walking or living in the truth. Verse 25, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. It starts with the word therefore because there is a close relationship between this command and the previous passage, verses 17 to 24. These are not arbitrary sort of draconian commands to make life miserable for us. There is a reason behind them. And since you put off your old self when you get converted, you see that in verse 22, you must put away, therefore having put away, it's the same Greek word, falsehood. Because lying belongs to the old self. It doesn't belong to the new self. But Paul gives another motivation for honesty here. He says, we are members of the same body. Folks, you can't lie to other members of the body. It, it would be like walking towards a cliff, cliff and the eye saying to the brain, no, it's okay, everything's safe, I can see, everything's good. That lie is going to harm the entire body, including the eye. So lies, lies are terrible things because they undermine trust. And trust, it's like the mortar that holds relationships together. In fact, when we lie, not only are we compromising the body, but we are betraying our parenthood. What, what is Satan described as? He is described as the father of lies. Therefore, we don't tell lies. And Jesus said to the hostile Jewish leaders, you belong to your father, the devil, and you carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, for he is a liar and the father of liars. 
Folks, we have not been fathered by Satan. We have been fathered by God. And so we stick to the truth. I was just trying to think of some of the reasons why we lie. And I thought of three. Maybe you can think of more. But just for the sake of today, let's have a look at these three. The first reason why we lie sometimes is for self-defense. It's because, in a sense, we've given in to some passion of the flesh. And now we need to defend ourselves. And so we lie. I can remember one time a contractor came in to the office. This is many years ago when I was a junior engineer and we were still working on the bill of quantities and the specification and he wanted to start working on his quote. So he said, well, let me just have a quick look to see what your specs are going to be. I know it's not finished, but just just give me what you got. So I gave it to him and obviously he then went and started chatting to my boss and discussing things. And my boss came into my office very angry and he said, how can you, did you give this man a copy of the, of the specification in the bill of quantities? You shouldn't have done that. And I said, oh no, 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 I hadn't done that. I lied for self-defense. It was an instinctive thing, terrible thing. And a few moments later, I realized what I'd done and I went into Peter Marskolk's office and I just said, Peter, I'm so sorry, um, I, I felt frightened because I'd obviously done the wrong thing. I, I really thought it was okay, but you know, please forgive me for lying. Because otherwise, the mortar, the trust that held our relationship together was going to be eroded. Wouldn't bode well for the future. We lie for self-defense. We also lie for self-enhancement. That's what Ananias and Sapphira did. We all have this need to be valued and loved. And so sometimes we lie in order to make ourselves look better so that we can fill up that deficit for value and for love. We do it for self-enhancement. And then sometimes it's really sad when we do this. We lie for the sake of satisfying the ungodly passions of the flesh. Maybe there's something that we want to satisfy an ungodly desire and a passion and we end up lying to get it. Last time that I preached, about two weeks ago, I referred to that 2020 documentary entitled The Social Dilemma. And we had a look at some of the problems associated with the social media. And one of these is the fact that the algorithms controlling what you receive on social media have no way of discerning whether this material is true or not. So please, please try your best to avoid liking or forwarding falsehoods or rumors or baseless theories which spread alarm and despondency. Check your facts. Check things on Hoaxler. You have a responsibility to your fellow brothers and sisters in, in Christ to make sure that you're not delighting in lies. Do some research before you click and before you push on that share button. Ask the Holy Spirit. Remember we said that Jesus is inside you as a teacher. Ask him to help you to be discerning. So let's tie this all up. The Batman effect really can work for you as a Christian. Why? Because you have a father that speaks of the fact that you have been fundamentally converted. You now have the genetic ability, if you like, to do what Jesus would do. You also have a teacher, Jesus right there at the center of your being, helping you to discern what it is that Jesus would do. And then thirdly, 
you are loved you have a lover you are beloved children there's no need to try and do things for other people in order to fulfill your love deficit because you are already loved and the substance folks of walking in love as christ did is to sacrifice the passions and desires of the flesh love is expressed as a commitment to do this it's not a feeling we need to sacrifice the passions and the desires of the flesh therefore be imitators of god as beloved children and walk in love as christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to god let's do this in 2021 this could be a better year shall we pray father god we want to commit ourselves as people individuals as a church to walking in love as christ loved us help us to give ourselves up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to you we know that 2020 was a tough year we know that 2021 may well be a tough year but it could look so different if we would walk in this way so please help us and give us the grace that we need to do that and we pray all of these things in the precious name of our lord and savior jesus christ thank you so much for joining me and look forward to seeing you again in the near future